0: Ice, episode 5. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. I'm excited to start the show.
1: How about you? Uh, ready to get this started. Welcome back, everybody. Awesome.
0: I'm your host, Andrew, here again with my co-host, Kenton, and we're gonna jump right into the show. We've got a lot of talk about football today. It's gonna be less about actual games, more about off-the-field stuff, but I see no sense in rambling on anymore. Let's jump right into our first segment, our sports shout-outs. My first shout-out of the week is going to go to the schedule makers in the SEC, specifically the South Carolina Gamecocks schedule. We're going to get into it a little bit later as far as breaking down their schedule, but I have to give a shout-out to the fact that South Carolina this year is going to be playing Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and at Texas A&M in the same season. That's a tough schedule no matter how you write it up, so that's going to be my first shout-out. The Gamecocks... I'm not saying it's looking terrible for you, but that's a really tough road, and I would hate to play that schedule.
1: Well, my shout-out is actually going to go to former quarterbacks coach at Alabama, Mr. Enos himself. My shout-out is because he left Alabama to go to Miami to become the offensive coordinator. And what he did is he probably just stuck himself in the same job for the next four or five years to hope and pray that, that Miami brings in enough talent to allow him to be promoted. But if he would have stuck at Alabama, took the offensive coordinator job, he could have been there for one year, had lots of success, and been the head coach at a school like Purdue, Maryland, Iowa State, or whoever in the very near future, probably within one to two years. Way to go, Mr. Enos.
0: Also, I love the story about Mr. Enos. Dan Enos is his name. When Saban was looking for him, he went into his office and it was completely cleared out And he says, where the F word is Dan? That was his literal response. He couldn't find the guy. And all that was left, you said, was a pencil on his desk? That's
1: what I was told was just a pencil.
0: Interesting. I wonder if that pencil has any meaning. But moving on to the last shout-out of the day, I've got mine. And it is going to shout-out all the people who think that James Harden deserves the MVP this year. I completely agree from terms of pure numbers. I mean, he's averaging unbelievable amounts of points. He's averaging a decent number of assists because he's a good playmaker. And he's great with the ball. He's shooting a solid percentage from what I've gathered. I haven't really watched a ton of James Harden, but I see the box scores. You know, everyone sees it and talks about it. But my only issue with that is, with Clint Capella hurt and with Chris Paul hurt, James Harden is the Houston Rockets. He's their only source of offense. And this just goes back to a few years ago when he was the only star on the Rockets doing the same thing. But I am not a fan of the James Harden for MVP argument simply because of the fact that his usage rate is absolutely through the roof. It's not even close to the next player, who would probably be Russell Westbrook. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I know Harden is by far number one. And then the Mike D'Antoni system allows itself to have these inflated numbers. I'm not dishing Harden at all. I think he's a fantastic player, probably top five in the league, but I don't think he's my MVP. If I had to pick one, I'd probably roll with Giannis if you see what the Bucks are doing, how they've come together, how he's improved, and they're looking like a real threat in the East. I don't think they'll make the finals by any means, but they're a team that looks pretty dangerous, as opposed to the Rockets, who are just a one-man show with a guy who does every single thing for that entire team. So my shout-out to all those people, and I hope that we'll see what happens in the future, really. I don't know what else to say about that. So those are our shout-outs. What I want to do now is the ACC has released the schedule for the upcoming football season. And I want to jump right in, as Clemson fans, to the upcoming schedule and go through it and see if there are any places that our team could hiccup at. Because every year there's a chance that you lose, of course. But we do feel confident in our team. And before we go through the schedule, I will say that I put up a poll on Instagram. Will the Tigers go undefeated next season? 83% of the responses were yes. 17% 17% responses, or seventeen of the responses were no. And I feel like that's a pretty good ratio as far as people in general, how they feel about it. There's always that 17% chance this team with this schedule will go into can lose a game. But I really just don't see where it could be at. And we'll go into it in the future. So we want to start off with the schedule. I'm going to get your thoughts as far as what you think would be noteworthy in these games. But we're starting off on August 29th against Georgia Tech on a Thursday.
1: Uh, Being a home game, uh, first of all, I believe that we should be able to score at will against Georgia Tech. Uh, There will be some unanswered questions uh, going into the game as far as the defense. Not even sure what kind of offense Georgia Tech's planning on running now that Paul Johnson's gone. So there's a lot of uncertainties. But bottom line is we have to be a lot better and we'll probably be about a 24 to 28 point favorite.
0: I think this game is really weird just because we're so used to seeing at the beginning of the season, we're either playing that SEC opponent first, which we'll see in our second game, or we're kind of playing one of those smaller schools like Furman last year or someone comparable on Furman's level. But to have a Georgia Tech game be your first game of the season on a Thursday night, it's just kind of weird for us as fans because it's not something we're used to. But I think that they're a good team to start out the year with. They're an ACC school. And it will be nice to have our defense get eased into an ACC atmosphere, a brand new defense we have. On a night game, it would be a primetime game because there shouldn't be anything else as noteworthy on. But we'll have that atmosphere, but they still get to play Georgia Tech with a new coach who would not be expected to win. So I think it's a good situation for our team to get our feet under them for the first game. So then you have the second game, which can be definitely more of a challenge, Texas A&M at home.
1: I believe this is the best team on our schedule. Um, Of course, it's early, but I I think that that will be the best team. Uh, I do like having them at home. So, there again, I'm I'm very confident just because we are very loaded, especially on the offensive side.
0: I think Jimbo's got a good thing going at Texas A&M, but I don't think it's going to be there yet. I think eventually they will be one of the better SEC schools. I think they could be in that top three SEC upper echelon of teams that are actually pretty good and not overrated, but year two for Jimbo, I don't think it's quite there, especially against Clemson at home, but I could see it being a close game just like the last one, but I think that our offense will be clicking at that point, our defense will be starting to put it together, and we should have a good shot to win that one. The next game on September 14th is at Syracuse, the team that we have struggled the most against consistently over the last few years.
1: And that is the scary part. We have struggled... Of course, losing to Syracuse and then coming from behind to barely win last year. So, it's a scary game being on the road, but I'm going to go back to my go-to. If Syracuse wants to beat us, they'll have a brand new quarterback. And if our offense comes out aggressive, they'll probably have to score at least 55 points to beat us.
0: I really don't have too much to add on that. The loss of Dungy is going to be big. I think Dino Babers has something he does against Clemson that works but I don't see it working as well after we've almost been scared twice. Also, I feel like it is worth noting that in both games, we did lose our starting quarterback. Now, I'm not saying the first game where we lost, we would have won had we had our starting quarterback, but I feel like if we had our starter in both games, we might have won both and by a bigger margin both times. The next game after that, the next week is Charlotte at home.
1: Um, and if we're talking about the Charlotte Panthers, uh, Carolina that is, then they might beat us But if we're talking about UNC Charlotte, of course, it's a no-brainer win.
0: Again, I have nothing else to say. I'm with you on that.
1: The game after that, we are playing at North Carolina. North Carolina has been very weak here lately. Uh, Should not be a threat at all. Again,
0: I agree. They're kind of in chaos right now. I'm not quite sure what they're doing in that program. So I feel like even though it's at North Carolina, it should be a very manageable game that we could almost cruise through. The next game we have, I believe this is after a bye week, Florida State at home.
1: If Florida State still does not have an offensive line, that could get ugly again. I do believe there's a lot of talent at Florida State. I just don't know if there is an actual, if the team is there yet. So it should be at least a fairly comfortable win at home.
0: I don't think it'll be as bad as the last game was, though. That was something that I don't know if we'll see again from that Florida State team just because of the pride they have as a school, who typically is the upper echelon of the ACC. But I do think we should win this one handily. I could see it by three or more touchdowns, but I don't think it's going to be an absolute slaughter like it was last time. The next game after this, speaking of slaughter, we're playing at Louisville, who we demolished this season at home.
1: Same situation. Louisville's got a long way to go, um, so it, it should be another fairly easy win.
0: I feel like we're kind of saying the same things about these schools in the ACC. Of course, we don't know what teams are going to bring to the table every year. You're always going to have those surprise teams that are better, and you have those teams that dip when they should have been a good team, but I think Louisville's going to remain about what they have been the last few years without Jackson. They're just a, a sort of average to below average football team that we should cruise right by. After that, we play Boston College at home, a team who this year a lot of people said would be one of the better ACC schools, and they tended to prove that for the most part, but again, we did defeat them, and from my recollection, I'm drawing a blank for some reason, we did beat them fairly handily after a while when it was sort of close early.
1: I think as far as a talent standpoint that Boston College probably is close to up there with Texas A&M and and maybe even a little bit ahead of Syracuse as far as being, we'll say, the second best team on our schedule. But you know, having them at home, I, you know, I think when it's all said and done, we pull away and we win convincingly.
0: The next game after that is on November second against the Wofford Terriers.
1: Shouldn't have to say much other than we we should win.
0: Agreed. The team after that is at NC State, a team that sometimes we do struggle with. They're usually a solid ACC school, and being at NC State, you can't ever take away from what the road does to you.
1: And I would agree. And unless confidence gets us in one of these games, and of course a road game, could it be something with, a you know, just a nonchalant performance? But other than that, NC State starting over with a new quarterback, and you would assume they're going to take a step back, so it should be another convincing win.
0: The game after that, we have Wake Forest at home.
1: Much more talent win.
0: The last game on our schedule, of course, is South Carolina. This year we're playing in Columbia.
1: What South Carolina did last year, put up a lot of points against us. They have to feel real good about it. Our defense will likely not be as good next year. Uh, Just as soon as you say that, then the new guys, young guys, come in, take over, and they're just as good as teams prior, so... I'm not saying that we can't be loaded, but as of now, at South Carolina is definitely a threat and arguably could be our second or third biggest threat on the schedule.
0: I would tend to agree as well. We've obviously had South Carolina's number for the last few years, just recruiting as well as we have and having the consistency and coaching and talent and all of that combined. But I could see this year being a little bit closer than years past. Obviously, this year was kind of an anomaly. Because our defense did something that they really didn't do all season by giving up so many points and so many yards to a team that's pretty good but not great. But I could see next year being more of an accurate representation of the rivalry to where we do pull away, but South Carolina looks pretty good in it. Because I think they're on an upward tick. I just think it's a slow upward tick. But I have to give credit to South Carolina because I do think they're doing the right thing as a program. It's just taking them a while to build that, because that's what happens in most places. It You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Clemson didn't turn great after the first few years. You know, Dabo came in 2008, and the first year we were really pretty good was around 2011 or so, when Sammy Watkins' freshman year and all of that was really the year where it's, like, finally putting Clemson back on the map. So this is Muschamp's, what, third or fourth year? I can't quite remember, but he's around that same time frame as where Dabo was when he first started really getting up there, so... I don't think it's going to be terrifying for Clemson, but I think we will definitely have a a tighter game, lower scoring from both teams, but it'll be an actual game. So do you think out of any of these teams, give me three games. I think we can kind of say which ones, but give me three games, rank them in order if you can, and just tell me which ones you think might be the ones we really need to watch out for as far as this could be where a loss comes from.
1: A&M at home something to watch out for at Syracuse, which other than what they've done the last two years, Syracuse, i still don't believe is it, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I don't think that Syracuse is going to be as good as South Carolina or Boston college. So other than just the last two years, I'm, I'm going to eliminate that. So I'm going to say A&M at home, probably going to go with watch out for Boston college at home. And then possibly at South Carolina, will be the three biggest threats in my mind.
0: I think for me, if I'm looking at those, I agree completely with Texas A&M. I kind of want to put Syracuse there, but I also want to put at NC State there. Both of those teams are coming back with a new quarterback, but for Syracuse, it's been the whole last two years syndrome. And for NC State, it's been just kind of the tradition of how NC State plays at home against Clemson. But I think I would make those two tied for number three, put Texas A&M at number one, and then put South Carolina at number two is the game to look out for. I think we both do agree, though, that this regular season could be won unless our defense is atrocious or something terrible happens to Trevor Lawrence or someone on the offensive side. It could be another undefeated regular season going into the ACC championship. I, I don't want to sound arrogant in that or cocky, but I just think that's the fact of the matter, that we're that much better than everyone on our schedule.
1: Yes, I would agree.
0: So moving on to another topic... A hotbed for these last few weeks has been the transfer market obviously this season they have allowed players to enter their names into a transfer portal that's a brand new system to where teams can contact them once their name has been put in the portal and what we want to do is just highlight a few players they're all quarterbacks because that's kind of the position that everyone falls in love with these are all the quarterback transfers that we felt like might be noteworthy to talk about And I figured, why not give him a little love and see what we can discuss about him? So the first transfer, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this on any of our podcasts,
1: Kelly Bryant to Missouri. I think it's a good opportunity for Kelly Bryant. But now I'm going to go, and I do not play Monday morning quarterback. I say how I feel ahead of time. And I do not like the people who, after the fact, seem to have all the answers. So I'm going to say it now. And yes, if I'm wrong, I will say I'm wrong. I do not believe that Kelly Bryant is that good of a passing quarterback. He was in a, at a great situation at Clemson. There's a lot of people, if given the opportunity, to continue to play and get better against the weaker opponents, could have also led us to the playoffs with a loss to Alabama. Because there was no part of me that ever thought we would score against Alabama with Kelly Bryant. That being said, I think he's going to eventually struggle. I don't care if he lights up a Division II school early in the season and everybody around here says, oh, look at Kelly Bryant, how great he is. And if Missouri has anybody decent on the roster, I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly Bryant doesn't lose his position about halfway through the year.
0: Wow. I wasn't expecting to go that far. I didn't think I was going to hear that one. I figured Kelly would stick out the whole season being the senior leader, the transition guy between Drew Locke and the next guy coming in, but... Losing his job, I did not think of that one as really an option. I figured he would just kind of stay the course. They would bring him in and just keep hold of him because of what he did at Clemson and hope that he could somehow replicate the magic that people thought he had. But I will agree to the fact that Kelly Bryant was a good quarterback in an offensive-friendly system at Clemson, and he made a few throws, but it was evident that to beat the Alabamas of the world, we needed someone who could light it up through the air, and that's what Trevor Lawrence brought us. Now moving on to Kelly Bryant's rival almost. These two players were compared a lot in the regular season when talking about transferring and not transferring, and then just compared because they played each other in the playoff. We have Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma. Uh,
1: I think Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, uh, but there again, Jalen Hurts has also been in the same situation as Kelly Bryant was. It doesn't suck to be the starting quarterback at a talented team like Alabama, And then as far as transferring, he transferred to a much better situation because it also doesn't suck going to a school like Oklahoma. So even if he puts up bigger numbers, I don't think that that necessarily proves anything. But I think it was a good pickup for Oklahoma. I don't know who Oklahoma... Here again, I don't keep up with other teams' depth charts because I really don't care. But unless there's somebody there to take over the starting job from him real quick, almost the way Tua did... I look for Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma to have a big season, and, well, you might find him and two of both in New York at the end of the year in the Heisman running.
0: I think that's something I disagree with. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be in the Heisman discussion. You hear that all the time. Oh, he's going to Oklahoma. He's got that friendly system, and... Jalen Hurts is going to put up a lot more yards through the air, and he's going to put up a lot of yards on the ground. He's like a running back back there. He's a big 6'2", 200-something-pound guy. Like, he's a big guy. He. When I remember Jalen Hurts for the first time, I thought he was the next Alabama running back. The first play I saw, he was running it. I didn't realize he was the quarterback. But Oklahoma does have a guy on their depth chart. He's coming in this year. He's not an early enrollee, and I can't remember his name. But he's a five-star quarterback. I think he was the number one quarterback recruit in the nation. And there was a big controversy going on and I'd like to just clarify for anyone who doesn't know about it or who only heard one part of it. Lincoln Riley told this quarterback who I can't remember his name and I feel bad that I can't that they weren't taking offers from any transfer quarterback and it was around the time where Justin Fields was saying that he was leaving Georgia and pursuing Oklahoma, Ohio State and he listed another team as well. He listed three teams. But What's happened since then is Oklahoma's backup quarterback behind Kyler Murray, who would have gotten the starting job had this other guy not come in, they would have been in a quarterback battle, has entered his name into the transfer portal. What happened after that is Jalen Hurts entered his name. Lincoln Riley came to the five-star quarterback and said, look, we're down a quarterback now. We might bring in Jalen Hurts. And the kid responded with, I understand I understand that I'm just not going to be given the job. I have to compete. So now they're bringing in Jalen Hurts. But the narrative is Lincoln Riley lied to this kid straight up, which he had to back down from what he said earlier when he said we weren't pursuing transfers. But that was before they lost a quarterback in that room and were only down to one or two guys who was going to be a freshman five-star and a probable career backup. So I wanted to go ahead and get that narrative out and get that false narrative away and bring in the full story that people don't always hear. You always hear the negative side, but not what actually happened. So that's what's really happened at Oklahoma. With that being said, for me, after that long rant, I think that Hurts will start and finish the season as their quarterback. I think he will lead them. They might lose about two games or so, two or three. I think they'll be a little down this year. I don't think he'll be in the Heisman running. I don't know who the third guy will be. I assume it's Trevor and Tua and someone. But I think Hertz will be fine, but he will be a, air quotes, downgrade from Baker and Kyler. The next guy we have transferring, we just mentioned his name, is Justin Fields to Ohio State.
1: Well, Andrew just touched on he didn't know who the third one would be there as far as a Heisman candidate. Well, I think he just might have named it, because that's another one. I think this was a huge pickup for Ohio State. But I also believe that Ohio State was a huge pickup for Justin Fields, because there again, there's a reason why quarterbacks continue to succeed in certain systems or certain teams. Ohio State, year in and year out, is definitely one of the four most talented teams, and I think Justin Fields was an amazing pickup, and... If he gets the starting position, which I believe he should or probably will.
0: Unless the transfer rules because he's appealing to have that year of eligibility, I think. But he's not guaranteed to be eligible next year.
1: And obviously that would make a difference. But if Justin Fields steps in, unless he is some kind of flop that I just don't really see based on what little I've seen him perform, I think it's a huge pickup both ways. And Ohio State will be a playoff contender and... I think that Justin Fields will be a Heisman Trophy contender.
0: Now, that one I would agree with you. I think he could be the third guy there. He is a dynamic passer. He is stupid talented. And you can tell just by what happened at Ohio State, and we'll get to that in one second, he's the real deal and people fear him. He couldn't get it done at Georgia. Georgia's had two quarterback transfers due to Jake Fromm. You had uh, Jacob Eason, who transferred to Washington, who will be starting now. We're not going to mention him other than this statement, but... You know, Jacob Eason will be at Washington next year. He's a talented guy who started for Georgia and led him to a good season. But I think Fields, if he can play immediately, like you said, can put Ohio State in that playoff contention. And I would love to see what happens post-Urban Meyer with brand new quarterback, really a brand new offense because they lost a lot of seniors. So it will be interesting to watch Ohio State this year, especially if Fields can play. But speaking of what Justin Fields did at Ohio State, we have Tate Martell I'm pretty sure his first name is Tathan, like Nathan with a T. He's transferring to the University of Miami with Manny Diaz and Mr. Dan Enos himself to be his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator.
1: Well, I'm probably going to have to leave this one up to Andrew to talk about because I don't know anything about, really, Miami. I don't think that Miami's that good of a team right now. And I don't know anything about Tate Martell other than maybe Miami could should consider playing the replacements because, you know, maybe Martell doesn't have a heart. I don't know.
0: That's a terrible movie shout-out. I am not a fan. But, Tay Martell, just to sum it up, five-star guy coming out of high school, went to Ohio State, redshirted his first year. He played in a few games because of the new redshirt rule, but, of course, they had Dwayne Haskins. The team was probably going to be his. Justin Fields transfers to Ohio State, Tate's kind of a guy who's like a fiery guy, kind of some people would call him a little bit of a punk, but he had a few tweets talking about, you know, you can't just come into my city. I don't know the tweets, so I'm not going to say anything about them, but he had some negative tweets that everyone knew were directed at Fields, and then a few weeks later he's transferring to Miami, so I don't know if he was scared of Justin Fields or what. He said the reason he transferred to Miami was due to some of his buddies from high school going there, and he liked what the program was doing, but... You would think if he liked what Miami was doing and he had some buddies there, he would go there to start and not go to Ohio State and then leave when another guy who's better than you comes in. So Neither here nor there. Tate Martell is trying to get that year of eligibility back so he can play immediately at Miami. Who knows what Miami will be this year. I feel like they're one of the biggest anomalies in the ACC because they have some decent talent, nothing special, but I think that they can possibly be a surprise team this year. The next player, we're going to just kind of go quickly over these last two guys. Brandon Wimbush, of course, he was replaced by Ian Book this season at Notre Dame. He's going to UCF, which is a very interesting fit to me. I kind of like it. A, a D1 guy, a Notre Dame guy who couldn't quite make it. Not that he was terrible, but Ian Book was better for the team and clearly better. But him going to UCF, I don't know. I kind of like it.
1: I think it was very smart on Brandon's part. Uh Staying at Notre Dame, he would have got blown out if they would have made it too far. If he would have got a chance to play, you know, their last two appearances against Alabama and Clemson didn't go too well. And being at Central Florida, assuming he'll get the starting position, well, now he can at least enjoy a fake ring maybe.
0: The last guy I want to just mention, James Blackman, backup quarterback at Florida State. He started most of the year that year where DeAndre Francois Hurt himself against Alabama. I forget what injury. I'm clearly very forgetful today. He's transferring. We don't know where he's going. He's entered his name in the portal. The only real reason I brought him up is because he was a quarterback in the ACC. It's Florida State. It's one of Clemson's biggest in-conference rivals. and I feel bad for the guy because when he played, he stayed in. Towards the end of the season, he looked pretty tough. But with that offensive line, he got absolutely hammered. So I would like to see this guy go somewhere noteworthy maybe a smaller school i don't know where maybe like your purdue or something like that i don't know but you know james blackman is transferring out of florida state deandre francois is still there and they might win seven games
1: yeah i'd like to see him do like a willy corn go to north greenville lead him to a championship
0: i wouldn't mind that i'll go to some north greenville games this year i'll go to some games anyway i kind of like my school Those are the quarterbacks we wanted to talk about, the transfers. Of course, I mentioned Hunter Johnson. Big shout-out to you. He's going to probably be starting this year at Northwestern. So keep your eye, if you're a Clemson fan, on Northwestern, just because he never really did anything wrong for us. He was good for us. He was a nice player. But ultimately, when you've got the Kelly Bryant situation and then you've got the Trevor Lawrence situation, which was the big one, you're kind of stuck in the middle saying, what am I doing here? I'm not ever going to play. And I'm a five-star, number-one pocket passer in the nation guy. What we want to do to wrap up the show, this is going to be a shorter episode than what we're usually doing. I want to recap our picks from the NFL playoff, and then, of course, we have the AFC and NFC championship games coming up. Last week, I went 2-2, two and two, and you went 3-1. I picked the NFC correctly, I believe. I picked the Saints to win and the Rams to win, which you did also, over the Eagles and the Saints, and then... You pick the, the Rams over the Cowboys. And then on the AFC side, I went all in on the Colts. They looked very rough in that game. I don't know why. Maybe the weather. I'm not going to make up excuses for them. They just came out and didn't look very good against the Chiefs. So I got that one wrong, and you got that one correct. And then we both picked the Chargers. And why in the world would we pick against the Patriots? honestly.
1: No, I questioned when I did it. It made no sense, and my dislike for Tom Brady and the Patriots should not influence my picks, but it did. So yes, I was stupid, and I was wrong.
0: I really thought the Chargers could do something, but that game was such a blowout so early. It was 7 nothing, then 7-7, and then it goes on to be 35-7 to at halftime New England. It was just absolutely atrocious. But this week, we've got New games, a new week. Hopefully I can have a better record than you this week unless we pick the same teams. But we've got two games to look at, and we're going to talk about them for just a few minutes each. New England Patriots at the Kansas City Chiefs. What you got for me? Anything?
1: Well, Andrew's holding me to my word. He said it last week, so I'm sticking with the Chiefs. I said they would be the team that would dethrone the Patriots this year for the AFC Championship. I do believe the Chiefs are a little bit better team. But Tom Brady is, well, he's Tom Brady. But that being said, I'm going Chiefs all-in to the Super Bowl.
0: Again, my hatred for the Patriots. My like for the Chiefs. You know, I said last week if I was ranking them number-wise, most likely to get to the Super Bowl, I would put Chiefs at 1, Colts at 2. I think I put Chargers 3 and Patriots down at 4. Smart on me, of course, but... I did pick the Colts, but I said if I'm going ranking-wise, the Chiefs would be most likely. Well, now I've got the Chiefs playing the Patriots, and New England looked scary good. They looked like a different team. They looked healthy. They looked rejuvenated, and I think I'm going to go with New England. As much as I hate saying it, I think I'm going to go to have a different pick with you. I think I'm going with New England in this game. The next game up on the slate, of course, would be the LA Rams versus the New Orleans Saints. Of course, it's important to note that this is being played in the Superdome.
1: I usually don't like going against home teams, but for most of the year, uh, what little I did keep up with the NFL, I believe that the Rams were the best team in football this year. So I look for the Rams to win at the Saints, and I'm going with Rams Chiefs Super Bowl.
0: I'm going with New Orleans. So we're going to differ on both of these picks this week. I think being in the Superdome, I think Drew Brees knows that this could be one of his last chances to get another ring, and I think that team is pretty hungry. I think I said that last week, and I can see the Saints, after having a very close game with the Eagles, being even more fired up to beat this Rams team, who is really loaded. The Rams are a stupid, talented team, but I just think that I trust the experience of New Orleans. I trust the rest that they got in that bye week. And I think that the Saints are going to win and go to the Super Bowl and play. And I'm going to go ahead and say beat the Patriots. So I think next game up, we're going to have the Saints playing the Patriots with New Orleans winning their second ring and Drew Brees' tenure. So this will be fun next week to see who gets them right because it's, it's all in for both of us on each game. So I think that'll be pretty fun. It's cool to me too. How I picked the old veterans and you picked the young guns. You know, you're going with Mahomes and that explosive offense, and then of course Jared Goff and the crazy good Rams defense with Todd defense offense with Todd Gurley, and I'm just going with the steady hand Tom Brady and the surprisingly good throughout his entire career Drew Brees. So I think that is very fun. The last segment we have question and answer. Again, leave us your questions. We'll get to them. We'll answer them in this segment. We've got a question this week, and the question is, what do you think South Carolina's football record will be at the end of the season? And what I've decided to do is pull up the South Carolina football schedule. This is the first time either of us have sat down and looked at it a lot. I mentioned earlier in my shout-out the four teams that they were playing because all I did with the South Carolina schedule is just go through it and say, wow, this is crazy. But now I want to sit down and at least try and put numbers beside them. Of course, this isn't final. You could ask us right before the start of the college football season and we completely change them. But these are our initial reactions to each game. I'm just going to keep tally marks on my phone and then I'm going to give you each of our final records for the team. So, first game of the season, they're playing versus North Carolina and it's in Charlotte, which is kind of a neutral site game. Who's going to win?
1: As much as I would pull for North Carolina, I'm going to have to go with South Carolina. They don't seem to ever lose regular season games on neutral fields against ACC schools. So I'm taking the Gamecocks.
0: I'm also taking the Gamecocks because I don't think that North Carolina is that good. I think South Carolina is a better football team. The next game we have is playing Charleston Southern at home. Uh,
1: South Carolina, 2-0.
0: 2-0 for me as well. The next game, they have Alabama, the Crimson Tide at home.
1: Two and one, Alabama.
0: Two and one, Alabama. Same here. Next game at Missouri against Kelly Bryant.
1: (sighs) This is a tough one. And I'm kind of combining. I believe between Missouri and the next game, Kentucky, that South Carolina will split. Uh, I'd like to see more when it gets closer. But... I guess I'm just going to go ahead and say a win for Missouri. Although I just I still don't I think South Carolina's better than Missouri, but we'll just we'll call it a loss for now.
0: I'm going to call this one a win. I think South Carolina is going to beat Missouri, and that's all I really got. I think that they're just a little bit better of a team than Missouri in my mind. And as much as I would like to pull for Kelly Bryant, if there's one SEC school I'm going to kind of pull for, it's going to be Missouri. But I just think South Carolina wins this game. Next game, like you alluded to, is going to be Kentucky. Uh,
1: having Kentucky at home, uh, I think that the streak will be over. That is assuming that they do lose at Missouri. So I'm going to give them a win at home against Kentucky to make them 3-2 on the year. Wildcats,
0: baby. Kentucky's going to somehow keep this thing alive. I don't know how it's been going, but I think Kentucky's going to win this game to also, I believe, put South Carolina at 3-2 and two for me, but with different losses. The next game, October 5th, open date. That's going to be a hard loss for me. Anyway, after that, we play at Georgia. Do we think that they are going to beat the Bulldogs in Athens?
1: That now makes them three and three.
0: I could not agree more. Next game, Florida at home.
1: (sighs) I'm kind of going to do the Florida game at home, along with at Tennessee, about the same as Missouri-Kentucky. It could be flip-flopped. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and say South Carolina wins at home against Florida uh, to make them four and three. No reason why other than I just think they'll flip-flop between the... They'll they'll win one out of two against Florida or at Tennessee.
0: I'm with you on the fact that I think they'll beat Florida this year. I consistently think Florida's been overrated, and I think they've got their coach. I think Florida's got Dan Mullen, but this one season... I think it's going to be South Carolina. If you ask me for the next few seasons, if they played each other, I'm going to probably pick Florida each time. But I'm going to go with South Carolina in this one. Next game we have is at Tennessee, and I assume you're going to give them a loss there.
1: At Tennessee, I'll go ahead and give them a loss. I think Tennessee is slowly improving. Uh, I don't think Tennessee's as good as Florida, but assuming they win against Florida, I think they'll go to Tennessee and then lay an egg. So I put some four and four.
0: I'm going to give South Carolina the win against Tennessee as well, putting them for me at 5-3. and three. The game after that is Vanderbilt at home.
1: I definitely like South Carolina to win to now go 5-4. and four.
0: I'm going to give South Carolina the win as well, putting them for me at, what, 6-3? and three? Yes. Next game after that is
1: Appalachian State. And I think this is an extremely scary game for a lot of opponents, uh, and I think it's scary for South Carolina. But honestly, I'm still going to have to give South Carolina a very close win. Of course, I think that now puts them at 6-4 and four on the season with me.
0: Yeah. I'll tally up the, the final ones on my phone at the end, so I'm not really focusing on the records. But I am think I'm going to give it to South Carolina, but it's funny. As soon as I saw App State on there, I was kind of with you mentally. Like, this one's not going to be quite an easy game. I also have to give a shout-out to my buddy Weston, who plays for App State. He'll be a senior this year, so... Good for you, man. Next, we have at Texas A and i am
1: I'm, I'm gonna. I'd like to wait to make an official pick. Unfortunately, we can't. I'm gonna call it a loss based on winning back-to-back games against Vanderbilt and App State. However, if they drop the game against Appalachian State, I believe they will go to Texas A and M and pull off the upset. So, either way, I'm now I'm going to say a loss for now, but I, I think that puts... I know Andrew said he's talent it, but that would put them at 6-5. and five.
0: I, on the other hand, don't think that South Carolina has a chance to beat A&M with any reasoning as far as winning or losing at App State. I think a and just a better team, and they're on an upward tick as well. Being at A&M in College Station, I just think they're going to pull it out no matter what. So, I'm going with Texas A&M. And lastly... We kind of spoiled this one earlier. Clemson. I don't think either of us think that South Carolina is going to beat Clemson.
1: Right. I mean, I think they have a chance, a better chance than they've had in a while. But of course, obviously, I like Clemson to make it six and six.
0: All right. So looking at yours, like you said, you've got South Carolina, South Carolina. Hold on. Well, let's do it this way. Win, win, loss, loss, win, loss, three and three, win, loss, four and four, win, win, loss, loss, six and six. I have win, win. Loss, win, three and one; loss, loss, three and three; win, 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 seven and three; loss, loss, seven and five. So we're each giving them a five hundred or just above five hundred record, and it's crazy because I think they're a little bit better team than a seven and five record in most seasons. But the fact that they've got this schedule again, like I said earlier, Bama, Clemson, Texas A&M, Georgia, a decent Florida team, Kentucky. I mean, App State's no one to sleep on. I think this is a pretty tough schedule for them. On paper, you never know what's going to happen, but they've got a tougher schedule than Clemson. I'll say that for sure.
1: And I even look at even some of your mediocre teams that South Carolina is better than. It, it, it's it's not easy to play at Missouri, to play at Tennessee. Um. So it's, it, it, I think the schedule even played rough to where I believe you're going to lose to Alabama no matter where you play. I believe you're going to lose to Clemson no matter where you play. So why not go to Alabama and suffer your loss? Why not go to Clemson and suffer your loss? Wouldn't it be nice to have Missouri at home and Tennessee at home? Because I'll promise you, I would definitely pick a win if they were at home.
0: That's a good point. I agree. But that's going to do it for us today on the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, you are awesome. Even if you didn't make it this far, but you're telling your friend about it. Tell your friend. He is also awesome. Anyway, guys. We appreciate you being here, and we will see you all next week.